0: Hi, I'm Tyra G. your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal women. Mothers, daughters, grand and great grandmothers, fearsome and generous, humble and honest, and in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. For those of you joining us for the first time each month, we explore a new theme inspired by you. Yes, I said you. Together, we bravely walk into places where tradition has taught us there's some things that we just don't talk about, but not at this table. And no matter how hard judgment knocks, it can't come in. Beloved ladies here, we live beyond the wreckage. Every week, we'll meet here for one hour to experience, encourage, empower each other. We'll share some aha moments and some stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Every week, we'll start right where we are. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. Each show, we have three segments, the beginning, the middle, and the end. How original is that? In the beginning, I will walk you into the state and set the stage for the day. The middle is our show's sister talk or brother talk centerpiece where generous and fearless guests join me in the interview seat. I named the last segment, It's Not Over. This is where I will deposit thoughts of empowerment and encouragement for you to take with. Think of it as a spiritual doggy bag, just in case your soul needs a snack while we'll apart. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia on your TV, computer, or mobile device. And we are webcast worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Should you miss us, no worries. You can catch our podcast on YouTube at Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. And if you just feel like connecting with me, you know I'd love it, and it's so easy. Email me at tyra at tyragarlington.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song. And for naming it, I'm Listening. I am so excited about how the show is progressing. We are celebrating our fourth month of proof that dreams can come true. Frankly speaking with Tyra G. is one of my most special dreams. I thank God for every remembrance of you and your gifts of ideas, your presence, and your encouragement. Your gifts are the gifts that inspire. I cannot do this show without you. Thank you so much. Our theme this month is The Gift is the Giving. We're shifting our paradigm from thinking of gifts we receive wrapped in beautiful, shiny paper with ribbons and bows or sparkling gift bags or gift cards or cars and bikes and everything nice we might have asked for. This month, we're focusing on the gifts that live inside each of us that we're born with. Did you know you came here with unlimited dreams and possibilities to be discovered and nurtured and given away? Each month, I like to share some of my favorite writers and their thoughts on our topic for the month. This month, of course, on giving, Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Khalil Gibran, the prophet, writes, you give but little when you give of your possessions. It's when you give of yourself that you truly give. Francis Burnett, in the book, A Little Princess Writes, this is one of my favorites. If nature has made you for a giver, your hands are born open, and so is your heart. And though there may be times when your hands are empty, your heart is always full. And you can give things from there, warm things, kind things, sweet things, help and comfort and laughter. And sometimes gay, kind, laughter is the best help of all. Robert Louis Stevenson says, you can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. This is our fourth show in the series, The Gift is the Giving. This week we meet a young woman who lives in a space where dreams have hope. Ms. Chelsea Townsend currently lives in New York City and is, in home, is at home in Virginia for the holidays. She will introduce herself as only she can after the break and tell us how she would unpack the words living in a space where dreams have hope. I think her story will encourage you to say yes with the power within you. After this break, you go grab a snack, but stay close.
1: This is Radio Fairfax, original non-commercial programming by Fairfax County Volunteers. Come join us and put on your own show learn how on the web at fcac.org orientation hi this is trey boucher with morning mix where you'll hear us every friday from 8 until 11, playing all of your favorite songs back from the 40s right on up to the present. We're gonna play things that you remember, some new things that you're gonna love, every Friday morning from 8 until 11 on Radio Fairfax. Let's go down into the subway station where you hear the strangest things. Every Saturday at 4 o'clock on Night Train Memories, Sounds of the Cities. Trains and music are joined together every time the night train pulls into another city for a few hours. I'm Squire, and the music is the sounds of the cities. Urban vocal groups from the 1950s through early 1960s with occasional new material. You might call it doo-wop, but it's a lot more than that. Every week, a new train to ride and new records to hear. Classics, favorites, obscurities, and some mega-rarities. Night Train Memories, Sounds of the Cities, every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard about it, read about it. But have you ever seen a psychedelic circus? Those innocent fun games of the hallucination generation? Here you will meet the swingers, the hipsters, the beatniks, and the acid heads who live from pill party to pill party. Find the Psychedelic Circus every Saturday from 10 until midnight. My name's Matthew Moore, hoping you'll join me for the Psychedelic Circus. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA, America's Wireless Companies, and the National Safety Council.
0: You know I like to set a common thought stage for our time together each week. Today we turn again to our friend and coach, Yajana Sant for a special gift of her words and her book until today, published in 2000. This is titled, There Is Always More. If by chance no one has told you that they love you today, I would be honored to be the first to say, I love you today. I love you because you are and have been so willing to grow. And my, how you have grown. You have grown from struggling to searching from trying to do, to learning how to do. You've grown from fear, to having faith, to demonstrating your courage. You've grown in many ways consistently demonstrating your willingness and courage to take the next step, the step toward knowing more about you. That is exactly why I love you. You are profoundly divine. Growth is a very profound experience. It can be beautiful and ugly, empowering and confining, thought-provoking and mind-boggling, pleasant and unpleasant, all at the same time. Just when you think you've got it, life seems to say, well, now take this, and you do. Then the minute you're ready to give up, to throw your hands up, or to beat up on yourself for doing the same thing in the same way and ending up in the same place again, you realize you haven't done so badly after all. You know you have grown when you can meet a challenge, an obstacle or a difficulty without totally losing it. Somehow, some way, in the growth process, you have come upon the understanding that the more you grow, the more you know. There is more of you waiting to unfold. There is more about the world you desire to understand. There are more people coming into your life and you are gaining more about yourself through your experiences with them. Yes, there is so much more. Chelsea, I chose this piece because I knew I would be interviewing you today. A young woman in her 20s a beautiful young woman in her 20s who is indeed a work in progress and so much more than you have become thank you Chelsea for coming today
2: thank you for having me I'm excited to be here I don't know I started acting when I was really young I was that kid that, like, went through every single dream of what they wanted to do. Yes. I thought I was going to be a gymnast. I was convinced that I was going to be an Olympic gymnast, actually. Um, and then at seven, I was like, actually, I'm I'm good. I'm not flexible, and I'm really not athletic when it comes down to, like, the bottom of things. Um, so I got into acting. I grew, at seven? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I grew up around it. My mom was a producer and a reporter, And when she would go on shoots and she would be on set, she would take me and my brother with her. And so it's kind of like the world that I grew up in. Um, Excuse me. And I I remember actually looking at her and being like, Mom, I want to do that. Um, And I told her that before I was seven, and she just kind of ignored me, which is fair. I also thought that I was going to be a ballerina at one point. So, I mean.
0: You do understand that by the time you're 12, you've changed your mind 12 times.
2: Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, so I told her, Mom, I want to do that. And she asked me to do anything except for be an actor. Um, she, Even though she worked in the industry, that's the one thing she didn't want me to do. Uh, I think she would have been happier if I like, I don't know, chosen anything. I was trying to think of a bad job, but I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. Um, but she, after like a lot of poking and prodding, mm-hmm. finally took me to an agent mm-hmm. and she actually will still tell the truth to this day that she told them, um, let her down easy. I don't want her in this business.
0: Wow. It's
2: it's too difficult. It's too grueling. It's not nice, which I mean, she's not wrong about anything that she said. Um But after the meeting with the agent, my mom sat in in like the waiting room and I went in and met with Libby Stone. And she walked out holding my hand and she told my mom, we're going on an audition and you're welcome to come with us or you can stay
0: here and wait. Can you remember, can you get to that point with Libby where you walked in there with her? What was that like? for? can you be seven years old and think about that time? I like, from what I can remember, I don't really, I didn't know what was going on. Okay
2: i just like i knew my mom was like this is somebody who is going to talk to you about what you say you want to do okay and so i was like okay cool i'll prove to them that i want to do it like i was always very determined as a child and so i still am like to the point of maybe being too stubborn at times um and so when we were going on audition i didn't really at that time know what an An audition audition entailed this was my first audition this was my first time being part of the business instead of just being a bystander um what did you do I I don't remember oh the audition actually uh but I got the job so whatever I did it was right okay um I know that much and I that was a really lucky break for me I I was seven years old I'd never done anything like this before and the first audition I walk into is a national commercial and I walk out with it and so, do you think that was a good thing? Did I've, that set a standard or expectation for you? I think I've gone back and forth on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it was good because I think it I think it gave me the confidence to say, "Okay, I can do this." Okay. Um but I and I think that just knowing me as a person and knowing me as a child, I think that even if I had been told no, I would have been like well, whatever, I'll do it again. Like mm-hmm. I'll go do it somewhere else. Fine. So
0: somewhere in your spirit, you know, this is me. Yeah okay
2: um it was just fun and i th- i remember that commercial to this day because i don't i can't, i could never tell you how much i got paid for it um all i remember getting paid for it is getting a giant stuffed raccoon um and that was the best payment in a wor- in the world for a seven-year-old i was like i get a giant stuffed animal all I had to do was run around in a backyard and do a cartwheel and then run inside to my fake mom and jump on a couch, and you're going to give me a giant stuffed animal? It's all perspective. Yeah. So um, <laughs> nowadays, no, nowadays if I was given a giant stuffed animal, I'd probably be okay with that too. Um, it's just the kind of person I am. It's the little things in life, right?
0: It is, truly.
2: Um. So from there, it became my responsibility to... Prove that I wanted to do this. I mean, my mom never stopped me after that point. Mm-hmm. At that, it wasn't like, oh no, she got told yes. Now let me let her down. It was, oh, g- great. I'm stuck doing this now, and I, she's gonna. But it was very much like, I may be seven years old, but it was my job mm-hmm. to like show that I was gonna keep doing this because it's an expensive business to yes, be sir. in <laughs> between headshots, and I don't remember doing like classes as a kid and a lot of training. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember, like, constantly going on auditions.
0: Now, you didn't just act. Don't you do other things? Well, I didn't, I, see, yeah, I got into
2: other things when I was about, oh, gosh, I don't think I got into theater until I was, well, I did, like, community theater when I was little, mm-hmm. um, here and there, but I didn't really care for it. I liked film and TV so much more, mm-hmm. um, it's just a more fun Environment and it did was. Did you sing? Did you <clears> dance? I started doing musical theater when I was maybe 11 or 12. Okay. Yeah, we moved from North Carolina to Virginia and our church had a musical theater program, and I was like, I want to do that. Um, and I did a few shows and I got really lucky, and I was the lead in one of our kids' shows. And it was really exciting. And it was there that I was like, OK, if I'm going to do this and mm-hmm. I'm going to understand this side of the business, too, I have to train because I was just like singing. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I guess I can sing. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'll wing it. Like I I can, I play music so I can read the notes on the page. So I guess that's what singing is. I was so wrong. Um, <laughs> I was very lucky that I sounded as good as I did without any training. And then I got into training and Training was scary. Tell me why.
0: Why was training scary?
2: Because it was one of those things where it was like, oh, I'm going to learn if I'm good at something or not.
0: Okay, someone was going to judge you. Yeah,
2: and it was was like I'm learning if I'm good at something where when it really comes down to it with most singing situations, if you're not good at it, Mm -hmm. you're not good at it. You're not going to suddenly be an amazing singer even if you learn all the technique, if it's just not somewhere inside of you that you can – that like you're not like if I was tone deaf I'd Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I would die (laughs) I wouldn't that'd be like half my career that I couldn't have but you have
0: perfect pitch
2: yeah I'm really lucky
0: I apparently have you're gifted
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm gifted yeah but and it was also it was scary getting into training for singing because I wanted to know what I was doing like I wanted to understand how to use my voice okay rather than just okay, sing these notes, make it sound pretty. I wanted to really understand it. And so that meant that my training wasn't as fun as my friends' training. They mm-hmm. got to do musical theater songs and fun, happy, exciting things and songs that we all knew and Sondheim and Gershwin mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. exciting. And my teacher was like, do you want to understand the technique? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, all right, you're going to start in classical opera then and you're going to learn to sing in Italian. And I was like, oh, oh maybe I, maybe I don't want to understand what I'm doing. Um, but I did, and I can't read Italian, but I can sing it <laughs> if I need to sing it.
0: Um, and so, so what I'm hearing you say right now, and maybe you just haven't mentioned the other, you have a, you like musical theater. Yeah. Is that your favorite?
2: Contemporary musical theater okay. is my favorite. Okay. Like contemporary pop rock musical theater, only because, and I I I apparently have a very I've been told plenty of times, and I know that it's just because of my register. The very princess voice is what we relate it to is Disney princess voice. Um, which I mean, hey, it's worked for so many before me. Why can't it work for me? Um, but like acting wise, I love like darker okay. things. Okay, so give like, give me an example. Oh, um.
0: Something that our listeners might know. That's
2: what I'm trying to think of. (laughs) Because contemporary musical theater is like popular, but it's not that popular. Um, So there's this show. I feel like a lot of people might know it because it was turned into a movie um, called The Last Five Years. Mm -hmm. And it's um, the story of a couple. And what's so interesting about the play, I haven't actually seen the movie, I will fully admit, because I'm, I don't know, I was iffy about it. Um, I started it and then I stopped it immediately Uh, they you start the play with the female character Kathy at the end of a five-year relationship and the male character whose name is slipping my brain right now at the beginning of a five-year relationship and you see them the only time they're in a scene together is when they meet in the middle and then they kind of pass each other and so from her end, you see the relationship go from the shambles that it's become after five years to the beautiful thing that it was when they first like met. like backwards. Yeah, and oh, for him, that. you see it when they first met to it slowly falling apart.
0: Now, see, I I have not seen it, I have not read it, and just that one thing you said, I'm going to look it up. It's so the, you can honestly, you can listen to the soundtrack mm-hmm. by
2: itself, and you get the entire story. Okay, um, it's by Jason Robert Brown, who is my, one of my favorite like composers I think everything that he writes is so full Mm -hmm. and he's really great with storytelling which is why I think I love contemporary musical theater a lot more is I when I hear a song I don't want it to just be like a snippet of emotion I want to hear the full story with the song Mm -hmm. and I feel like contemporary musical theater a lot of the time each song is its own story
0: Now, I'm going to throw you a curb. Oh, gosh. Yes, I am. No, because what you just said to me is the meaning you get out of an entire expression, a song. Mm -hmm. Now, let's flip over to social media. Oh, gosh. No, really. And compare. Just think about it. Texting, snippets. You know, it can find you because you want to hurry up. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've noticed is you send a text and immediately you're in receive mode. You're waiting for that answer, yeah, and that's almost counter to what you just said. Brings you a lot of joy, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pause on that and think about that. But that just came to me.
2: I mean, that's a that's a super good point. I, I think it's hard because when I think about texting, I go back and forth between that mentality mm-hmm. and then also the mentality of texting is nice because then I can just get back to the person whenever it's convenient for me and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But I also will fully admit that if I'm texting someone, I'm immersed in a conversation with them over text message and then they suddenly disappear. I'm like,
0: where did you go? See, yes, capture that. Why did this conversation just end? And I wasn't done. Exactly, and I'm getting fascinated because um, I think I told you, I'm spending a couple of months just doing Voices of the Future. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to people in Generation Z and Millennials and they have, a whole different framework, and even though I speak with them and I listen to them, they have a bit of conflicting. I love this, and I'm not sure what intimacy really is. Mm-hmm. So that that's going on. So that was fascinating when you yeah. said that about the music and all, and how you love that. Okay, all right, go ahead. I totally interrupt you. No, interrupt you're him. fine. I was just, I was fascinated, that's all.
2: Um, but yeah, like back to character stuff. So I feel like a lot of times, like, Kathy's character is very, even though she has really soft, vulnerable moments, mm-hmm. she's not a stereotype Okay. in a sense. And when I think of beautiful classical musical theater that I think is amazing and there's nothing wrong with it, mm-hmm. but I, I a lot of times I when I fall into parts that I would have to play, I fall into the ingenue. Okay. And it's very static in each and every show. This is the ingenue. This is the ingenue. This is the ingenue. It's a discreet, yeah. It's the same story every single time. And it's it's always told well, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to play that kind of like soft, flighty at times. Like I want something that feels deeper.
0: Because you are?
2: Yeah, I want, because I am I mean, I think that's what it is, is like I'm a full person. And a lot of the times I feel like the things that are, that were written and some of the beautiful pieces that we have, those characters aren't full people. They're just parts of people. Whereas I feel like contemporary musical theater is trying really hard to make all of their characters full people. They have good in them. They have bad in them. Okay. There's not just like, for, like going back to the last five years their relationship falls apart because of cheating ah. and both but both characters do something wrong one character cheats but the other character can't accept that their career isn't going as well as the other person's career mm-hmm. and they really kind of get at them for that and they dig at them and instead of just spending their time saying I love you I'm so happy that you're succeeding I want this to work for both of us now let me take the time to focus on my career but I'm still here to support you Mm -hmm. and I understand that along with me building my career you have commitments that might conflict at the same time Mm -hmm. that one character takes on a very much a stance of like well why can't you always be there for me like I was there for you during this time when you were getting built up and now I'm trying to build myself up and you're not there for me Mm -hmm. and it's like well because they're somewhere where they can't right now and they're being there for you as much as they can And, like, granted, that other character, like, they make some negative choices, but, like, neither character in the last five years is good and bad. Like, they both do things wrong, and they both do things right, and both of them love the other person unconditionally at one point or another, and then that just kind of crumbles because we're humans.
0: So am I hearing you describe relationships in the real world as well?
2: Yeah, we're humans, and we have selfish tendencies, and... There's nothing wrong with being selfish to an extent and that's something that I'm learning a lot about myself right now because I have a tendency, for example, in relationships to end up either giving everything Mm -hmm. or holding back everything. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought to myself when I'm holding back everything, I'm like, wow, I'm a really selfish person. This is really horrible of me. Mm -hmm. And so then I'll go into the next thing, giving everything, and then I'll end up completely broken and I'll turn around and I'm like, well, why did I do that? Like, why was I a good person? And then I sit there and I'm like, well, there's a balance.
0: And I think one thing that I, I say over and over again, people probably think it's my theme song, is that we are not our circumstances. No. So if you're in a relationship with one kind of person mm-hmm. and you find yourself overgiving, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to step back and say, why am I doing that? And what's happening? You know, you have to take a look at it. And then you flip and do the opposite. Mm-hmm that's us, that's yeah. seasons, that's circumstance. And I, I have learned in my many, many, many years of living is generally it's not just the two of us. Yeah. It's things that are happening in our communities. Oh, yeah. You know, the other people we're communicating with. And we don't often know how to translate that into constructive mm-hmm. conversations. Mm-hmm. So you get to, no, 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 you weren't there for me, you yeah. know, kind of thing. It's, it's hard being real and authentic yeah. and vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the play sounds great. It it's really so does.
2: Good. It's so good. Everyone should listen to the soundtrack.
0: Okay, I got it.
2: A, a lot of people love the movie. The movie has some great actors in it. Um, I'm just... I know. I saw it live, and so I'm partial.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's uh, move forward. We know now you started as a widow girl. hmm And uh, now you're a young woman. Yes. And what has that journey been teaching you along the way? Um... A lot. <laughs> uh, I've heard some of it already in our conversation.
2: Yeah, I'm. Rejection is hard. I think is the is kind of the biggest thing in this business that you have to learn. Yes. And along with learning that rejection is hard, you have to learn that it's not a rejection of who you are as a person. It's just a rejection of what you're bringing to the table for that specific project.
0: Say it again. People need to hear this. I'm <coughs> it's not it.
2: rejection of who you are as a person. Right. So and I think that's the most important thing, because as a little kid getting told no, it didn't phase me. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, oh, I didn't. Why didn't I get that? And I was like, well, you just did not And I was like, OK, can I go to the next audition now? Like, mm-hmm. Is it time? Um, and then, you know, as I got to be like a teenager and I started to like hit puberty and feel awkward and I was not cute. <laughs> I had my not cute stage. I had braces. I didn't know how eyeliner worked. <laughs> um, I didn't know how to straighten my hair which as someone with curly hair when you get bangs you should learn how to straighten your bangs sometimes <laughs> uh, so I just kind of looked like a little bit of a rundown mess <laughs> Um, but I kind of that that was a period in my life where I wasn't getting cast I didn't fit mm-hmm. the mold of what they wanted in that time I like I was I was an awkward preteen and Everyone sooner or later is an awkward preteen, and there's nothing wrong with being an awkward preteen. Say that again. I have teens <laughs> listening. They need to understand. Every this. single person hits an awkward stage, and there's nothing wrong with that awkward stage. It is a rite of passage. Yes. And it is who you are as a person, and you will, like, get past it. And it's an awkward stage because you're learning about yourself. Mm-hmm. You're learning about emotions. Like, you're you're changing what you look like. You're going into middle school, like... Everything is becoming bigger around you, and you're not quite sure how to tackle it because there's no rule book.
0: Exactly. And the thing that I found interesting, as that awkward, strange-looking person, (laughs) and I was the giant among midgets, you know, (laughs) being 5'8". I must have been 5'8 since I was 2 years old, but uh, had no idea that that could be a good thing at some point in my life. But what I also watched was all of my friends were as well. Yeah. We were all just pooling around. And I I like to say this a lot to uh, young people. I I find putting themselves down
2: Mm -hmm.
0: is I like to say as I listen, did you know that the ugly duckling was always a swan? Yeah. Just had to grow into Mm -hmm. and understand that.
2: And it's hard because I know that I, as a middle schooler, I felt like I wasn't pretty and that I was awkward and I felt like my friends were gorgeous.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
2: I was like, why am I not pretty? But they're so pretty. And, you know, I sit back and I like think I'm like, oh, my God, they thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like we were all thinking that about the other person. We couldn't start to believe that, oh, that person feels just as awkward. as Exactly. I do. And like that's the most important thing I think to remember at that age is like everyone feels awkward. Some people handle it better than others and they're better at putting up a facade of like no I'm super confident in myself and some people are super confident mm-hmm. in themselves and praise to those people like teach us teach us your way it's like help us understand how you got to be that way let's like, let's
0: put a comment there how do you get how do you get your cues all right I can remember my mom not wonder woman was my superhero mm-hmm. okay so consciously and unconsciously and she happened to be a beautiful woman so you know I had a hard time (laughs) she was gorgeous and yet I don't know how she did it I can't remember the conversations I do remember constantly her saying pretty is as pretty does I remember that Mm -hmm. and I remember the mother-daughter clashes that are inevitable yeah but I happen to know that you have a lot of strong women around you. I do.
2: I'm very lucky.
0: How did they How did they help you through that squishy stage?
2: Um, there were nice moments mm-hmm. of I would be really sad or upset, and it was very, like, caring and soft, and you'll be okay, and mm-hmm. you're beautiful, and, like, trust us. We have been there. We, we're older. We're wiser. We know better than you. And, like, it's a fact. They are older. They're wiser. They know better than me. They've been around longer. Um And then there were moments of that seemed harsh at the time Mm -hmm. of like, you just stop, stop crying, stop feeling so down on yourself and like give yourself a chance. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a little bit of like back and forth for me. Like I'd have like a grandparent or my grandmother being like very soft and sweet to me. And like, I'd have my mom have her soft and sweet moments. And then she'd have her moments where she was like, you have to stop. Or she was like, you have to just like be part of this. And I mean, I think that, Every single person as a preteen has extra pressure coming from somewhere, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it, like, I love what I do, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, and I wouldn't trade that I grew up doing it, but it definitely didn't help during that time.
0: And I'm thinking, yes, because the career path you chose had a lot of external yeah input
2: I have to fit a mold
0: yeah and it's
2: and it's not a mold that I as a preteen was fitting like I, I wasn't this like long-haired cute pigtailed like jolly little tiny bouncy thing that was always <laughs> happy and excited like I was moody and I was like going through those mood swings and I was feeling them fully um and then you know you you go into auditions as a teenager and you look at every girl around you and you're like my hair doesn't look as pretty as her hair
1: mm-hmm. well she
2: has better makeup than i do like oh her headshots have better lighting than i do oh they're edited nicer than mine are like i wish they would have edited mine more i wish they would have slimmed my face down in my pictures i wish they would have done this i wish they would have mm-hmm. done that and then when you don't get the part instead of when it was like when i was a kid where it was like okay well what's the next one mm-hmm. um it w- and when so- when as a kid you're like well why didn't i get it and they're like well i just wanted somebody else and you're like oh okay but like as a preteen you're like whoa. Why didn't I get it? And they're like, well, they just wanted somebody else. And you're like, no, 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 no. But, like, why didn't they want me? Like, what's wrong with me?
0: Okay, now, now, now. Okay, this is perfect. (laughs) Because I'm also very sensitive, as so many of us are, to the world that preteens, younger and older as well, are walking into Mm -hmm. bullying. Yeah. And imagine a fragile, Mm -hmm. vulnerable. Now, I, I tell this story, and it blew me away so badly I was in the grocery store, two preteens on the other aisle, and I heard them talking. Mm-hmm. And they had sent their photographs into a website called I Am Ugly.
2: Oh, God! And they
0: send the pictures in, and people comment on them. Oh, and they were so distressed because of the kinds of comments they were getting. And my heart was broken. Mm. My heart was broken because words are so powerful. Yeah. And I'm looking at young people today, and they're putting the best of themselves as they know themselves forward on social media, Mm -hmm. hoping to be accepted. And then there's some, so I went home and I Googled, I am ugly, and there was actually a place where you can go and be abused because of the way you look. And I'm thinking, why? Why are we doing this? What have we come to? And I don't know. I don't have an answer on how we fix it. I'm not sure because it seems the prevalence of social media Mm -hmm. I can I can work with someone in my home, mm-hmm. but now that's less and less time, quality time with that person. So they're bombarded as soon as they close the front door, yeah, as well as at night, as well as in the morning. What do you do? What kind of what? What do you say? How I do mean, we help?
2: I, I think that I think that that's one of the hardest things. Is I think the anonymous nature of the internet
0: yeah makes
2: everybody bold mm-hmm. when they don't need to be. Mm-hmm. um and it makes people bold for the wrong reasons and i fully believe the fact and like i will stand behind i think a lot of the people that will say horrible things on the internet and will comment horrible things or send anonymous messages or do things like that are the people that are they're going through something on their own and they don't know how to handle it in any other way, but they think that by making somebody else hurt as much as they're hurting, mm-hmm. it's going to make them feel a little bit better. And maybe, you know, maybe in that exact moment where they're like, well, now that person's feelings are hurt just like mine are, they do feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I think that, I think it's just fact that in the long run, like that doesn't help them because then I think that there's still a part of that person who sits there and they know, oh, I feel this way and now. I just made somebody else feel this way. And now they have to live with the fact that they've put somebody else in the position that they were just in, of feeling lost and scared and alone and abused and hurt and just kind of all around, like, lost. Um, What would you
0: say, okay, uh, we can play what-if games. I think that's fine. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Because you are a cohort, Uh, what could you say to a person in pain that may interrupt them hurting someone else. And I know this is, you know, we hadn't talked about this. Yeah. Or, but let's think about it together. How can we, this is off the cuff in the rope. What, what could be something we could say to someone who felt it necessary to hurt someone else? And, you know, we'll call it bullying.
2: Yeah, Um. I mean, I don't, I'm not really sure because I think it's, I think it's hard to kind of find the approach where you want to teach this person a lesson that what they're doing in the long run isn't going to help. But the more you preach it, someone, the less they're going to listen to you.
0: So if I said to that person, hey, do you know how special you are? Do you know that you're loved? Come yeah. tell me more about you. Help yeah. me know who you are.
2: I think that, I mean, I think that that's really the only thing that, we can do is I think that like giving people that opportunity of like and I don't think that that's something that a lot of people do anymore is really asking someone else about themselves genuinely wanting that person to respond with everything it's like when you're in an office and I do temp work and I'll be sitting in an office and somebody will walk by and they'll go good morning how are you and I know that how are you isn't an opportunity for me to be like hey I'm I'm going through some things. You want to sit and listen yeah. for a second? The expected response is good. How are you? And they don't respond. Maybe right. they say good, but usually they just keep walking. And I think that we've kind of come to a nature of being so busy as people that we don't take the time to just sit down and go, how are you? Like, tell me what you're feeling. Yeah. Like, what are you, yeah. are you going through anything? Do you want to talk about anything?
0: And then the thing that, um, I, I start my day with a gratitude prayer. mm mm-hmm. Because there's no guarantee you're going to wake up tomorrow. So yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful. But um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to ask that question. Mm-hmm. The more people ask, how are you? And I just wait. Mm-hmm. And they're like, You mean you really want to know?
2: Yeah. People yeah. are shocked yeah. when you, like, actually want to listen to them. And, and sometimes they don't know how to respond because they're like, uh, "Yeah, people don't ask me that. Like <laughs> How do I do
0: this? And I'm thinking as well, um, thinking about your craft, I'm thinking about what you've chosen to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see through acting, through singing, through whatever, through auditions, through trials and all, do you see, can you see you growing? Can Can you get in touch with the things that your mirror can't show you now that says, hey, Chelsea, guess what? You're doing great. Remember when? not anymore you know you can have this conversation with yourself and you can see the process working like you're moving forward Mm -hmm. emotionally Uh, can you see yourself say a year ago now and maybe project
2: yeah um I think that I very much used to be one of those people that I would ask how are you and i wouldn't really want to hear what the person had to say Mm -hmm. and part of that was on me because I felt like oh if I don't have a good response to them then I why why does it matter like and and I've kind of learned throughout the year uh throughout the years and through my business just from you know playing different parts and meeting people constantly whether it be like meeting someone in audition and becoming friends with them from the audition room or just even just meeting someone in audition and like seeing them for that five minutes or longer depending on how long the audition is sometimes it's hours <laughs> and sometimes it's minutes. yeah yes. of just like waiting and like some people you say hey to and they're very much in the zone and they don't they don't want to talk to you like they're they're in their brain set they know what they're doing they don't want any outside distractions but I'm the type of person in an audition room where, like if somebody talks to me like I want to have a conversation Like, I want to not be stressed about what I'm about to go do and be scared of what I'm going to go do. So instead, I want to engage in that moment as
0: just a human. And connect. And guess what? I got so (laughs) engrossed in what we were saying. I need to take a short commercial break. Let's do that. Can we do that? Okay.
1: Like indie rock or classical? What about soul or sports? Maybe politics Find your interests here on Radio Fairfax. Trains in the night. Where are they they going? Trains and music are joined together every time the night train pulls into another city for a few hours. I'm Squire, and the music is the sounds of the cities. Urban vocal groups from the 1950s through early 1960s with occasional new material. You might call it doo-wop, but it's a lot more than that. Every week, a new train to ride and new records to hear. Classics, favorites, obscurities, and some mega-rarities. Night Train Memories, Sounds of the Cities, every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m.
0: Take care, Grandma. Okay, baby. Don't forget to let me know the second you get there. Yes, ma'am. My grandson always tells me I worry about him too much, and of course I do, I'm his grandma. Well, I was worried sick when he came home from Afghanistan. He came back wounded. It wasn't a wound you could see. It was a wound inside, post-traumatic stress disorder. My T couldn't sleep. He was angry all the time. He felt like he didn't fit in anywhere. Then I heard about this group, Wounded Warrior Project, people helping warriors like T. So I figured who better to help my grandson than people who could understand what he'd been through. Now, I don't know what they do there, but my T is smiling again. So I figured they must be good people.
1: One out of every five warriors return from the battlefield with post-traumatic stress disorder. Help support them at WoundedWarriorProject.org.
0: And we are back. We left with you in the audition room, mm-hmm. amongst others, some wanting to talk, some not. Yes. How about you painting a picture? I'm very visual. Uh, it's audition it's audition morning. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> Take us through wake up to the audition.
2: Um. Well, I'll do. A, I'll think in theater audition. Okay. Brain, because I feel like I don't know. Some people might disagree, but I feel like there's more prep for me getting ready wise when it comes to that. Okay. Than film and TV, film and TV. I feel like I can go in very much casual for majority of jobs, and like it's totally fine. Whereas most musical theater auditions, you have to look a certain way. Okay. Um. So first off, I'm picky about my audition times and we get to sign up online and it's if I have the opportunity to like fully choose my time, I always choose a time like afternoon because I'm like, I don't really want to get up super early in New York City and have to get on the train and like, if it's a morning audition, most likely there is going to be a lot of people on the train. And then, what if my train gets stopped? And then, if I miss my audition, I get penalized. And it's just, okay, I don't okay, so you're strategic. Yeah, curve. I'd rather I'd rather wait until late in the, later in the day. And I, I will also fully admit that I usually plan my audition time around whatever the meal time for the auditioners is. I'll either go like right before their lunch time, because like then I feel like they're like, all right. Let's focus. Let's get through this. Mm -hmm. And then I get to go to lunch or I'll go like a couple hours after where it's like they've come back from lunch kind of sleepy, not really paying attention to who's in the room necessarily. But then like a few hours later, they're like they've woken up by that point and they're like, all right, I'm back in the groove. Like, let's get this finished. Um, But I'll wake up whatever time I have to wake up. I usually if I have to, I'll usually wake up about two hours before I have to leave the house. Um. And I always give myself an extra 30 minutes to, before, to like get to the audition. So I'll wake up, I'll kind of relax and lay around, take my time. And then sometimes I've picked out an outfit. Usually I haven't because I base my outfit on my mood and I'll find a dress if it's a musical theater audition. (laughs) if I'm not like what if I wake up and I have like picked out purple and like I'm in the mood for black I don't well did you to-
0: did you read or anything right now I got you getting ready did, what's the part have you prepared for it well yeah but I've prepared for it days beforehand I've,
2: okay I've picked a song usually okay by the okay I won't lie I'm the type of person where I'll walk into an audition room and I'll change what I'm doing the second that I walk into the room um, simply because it's another one of those mood things. Like if I walk into the room and I read the energy and it's not right for what I have picked out, I always have two other things in my book. So that's that good. Are, yeah, that are different energies just in case. Because if I walk into the room to do a ballad, mm-hmm. um, if I walk into the room to do a ballad and everyone seems very upbeat, I'm not going to do a ballad. I'm going to keep their energy up. I'm not going to try to bring them down to like this sad love sappy level i am be like no you're happy and you're energetic i'm gonna be happy and energetic with you like then you'll remember me okay um so i've picked something out i've got my backpack packed i've got my my book in it i've got water in the fridge waiting for me to grab it i've got kind of everything together i'll take my time doing my makeup i'll mess with my hair and sometimes it looks good and sometimes i throw it up on a ponytail and brush it because i don't like the way it looks um uh, then i get on the train and i go and i I don't look at my book again until okay. I walk in the room. That's that's one of my things. Um, okay. A lot of people sit in the audition room and they study what they're going to do. And if I do that, I'm too in my head about it. And mm-hmm. I'm overanalyzing it. And I usually forget my monologue or my song if I do that. Because I've just been reading it so many times that it's like...
0: Mm-hmm. You've got it. Yeah. It's internalized.
2: <laughs> it's a bunch of words in my head if I just keep looking at it. So I go to the audition room. I sign in. I sit and I wait. Sometimes I talk to people. Sometimes nobody wants to talk, and I'll sit on my phone. But then I go into my audition, and I'm in there for max two minutes, and that's a long time to be in there. Yes,
0: it is. Yes, it is.
2: Um, and then I walk out, and I go, did I do it? Is that go- was that good?
0: And what do you say to you?
2: <laughs> I tell myself, usually, usually I tell myself, I'm like, all right, you did what you could. You went in. You did your song. You went in. You did your monologue. You did what you came here to do, and whatever the outcome is is the outcome. Like, you can't make them pick you out of the hundreds of people that they're seeing if you're not the person that they want.
0: And I think that's extremely mature. I try. And that's where you are today. Yeah. I ask you to write a letter to the younger you, yeah. and I'm hoping you'll read that <clears throat> now for us. Yeah. Okay? A yeah. okay.
2: Uh, letter to younger me. First off, breathe. Not everything will go perfectly in your life, but overcoming those obstacles will make you so much stronger than you could ever imagine. Don't be ashamed of who you are or where you come from. It makes you you, and if someone doesn't like that, then they honestly aren't worth keeping around. Middle school will be hard. High school will be harder, and college harder even still. But you are smart, you are strong, you're very savvy, and most of all, you're resilient, and you will overcome everything thrown in your way. The first time you think you're in love, stop. Think about it a little longer. Assess the person, the way they interact with you, with your friends and your family, and don't brush their bad behavior under the rug. No one deserves to be cheated on, especially you. Walk away, it'll hurt. But in the end, you'll feel a lot better. You don't need other people to make you feel like you're worth something. Your worth is not defined by the attention of a guy, the approval of the popular girl, and most importantly, by the number on a scale or the words of society on how someone should look to be a model or an actress. You'll meet your soulmate in college and it won't be a boyfriend. It'll be one of the most amazing friends that you ever asked for, and you will become sisters for life, even when you end up living hours from one another because you both have to follow your dreams. Moving away after college will be scary. It'll be hard and when it first happens, you'll have days where you sit alone in an apartment afraid to leave, wondering how this could possibly be the right place for you, but it is, so don't give up. Roommates are hard, very hard, but you will find some amazing ones who make you smile and remind you of the boss that you are. And your career won't be easy either. You'll consider giving it up a million times almost every other day, but don't. You'll make another best friend in New York. Little did you know you guys actually went to the same college, but you were two years apart and she'll be your anchor in New York. Through new and amazing friends, you'll discover new loves. You'll learn to love yourself more. You'll meet guys. They'll seem great. Then they'll suck, and it will hurt, but you will get past it because that's who you are. You grow and you learn, and because of that, you will thrive. Most importantly, more important than anything else I've told you so far, give your mom a break. She loves you. Even when you make extremely dumb decisions, she will always have your back. But sometimes you have to hear things from her that you don't want to hear. But she loves you more than anyone else ever will. And you can always go to her even when you know you've messed up and she's going to yell at you. After she yells at you, she will help you solve whatever the problem is. She's your biggest supporter, your biggest fan, and she really is your best friend. You've got this and you've got a million people supporting you. You're a warrior and don't ever let yourself forget that.
0: Oh, Chelsea, that's so special. (laughs) I cannot wait until your mother hears this. Yeah,
2: she has no idea that I wrote this. I mean, she knows that I wrote it, but she doesn't know what I wrote about her.
0: That is so special. I, you know, I know you. Yeah, uh, I've known you for a few years I know your mother better And I was so excited when you were coming I was oh I wonder if she'll just sit with me for a while And give me a perspective from her generation And yeah. you've done that And I think that uh, There's some messages For younger generation mm-hmm. uh, And I love what you said In your letter You're going to make some mistakes Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: a lot Be kind to yourself Yeah treat yourself like someone you love Mm -hmm. and what I have seen you walk I've seen you walk into your worthiness since I've known you and I am so so very proud of you I'm gonna let this music play for a little while it sounds pretty good good. (laughs) it's time for our doggy bag and this is where I just leave you with a few words for you to remember on that day that you are tired of being tired And no, you don't want to talk to so-and-so. And oh, why did they do that? Think of this. Your creation is a good thing. In the beginning, you were created to be good, and you're still good. There is nothing about you that is inherently bad. There is purpose in your living. Your creator etched a purpose into your being. You've been born to fulfill that purpose in a way that only you can. You bring life, talents, and gifts unlike those of any other person. Every experience supports your purpose. Every experience will facilitate your understanding of your purpose and will call you to use the talents and gifts you possess. Every person you have met has played an important role in facilitating your understanding of your purpose. You may have been influenced by your environment to such a degree that you've lost touch with the truth of self and your purpose. Here's the key, you must choose to live your purpose. The guidance you need to recover your true purpose is available to you because you're worthy of having it. I can't say that enough, you are worthy, you are worthy. You make a choice to fulfill your purpose at any time. Balancing your heart and mind is the key to bringing forth the talents and the gifts you possess that will enable you to fill your purpose. What you choose for yourself, your creator will support. If you want to know the purpose of your life and how your experiences fit into that purpose, ask your creator. God is available and he's waiting for you. Once you ask, listen for the response and believe what you hear. Just for today, be open to hearing and embracing God's purpose for you in your life and all of your experiences. I love that we had this time together. I look so forward to the same time next week. In the meantime, know your love. This is Tyra. I'm here for you. I'm going to have Mr. Tony Walker take us out on our theme song with the piano version.